0: The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. Alright, I think we'll go ahead and get started this evening. This is going to be a Really good lesson for us to work through together. Uh, We're going to be discussing the person of Jesus Christ. So this is kind of a timely as we start to approach the Christmas season and just taking a closer look at who Jesus said he was. Uh, There's a lot to unpack, so I want to get into it. But first, I would like to open up the floor to any prayer requests, anything going on that you'd like for us to pray about just as as a body here. Mary Bridges, got it, Mary Bridges, got it, Um, also my, my father, he's, he's not doing too well, my dad's not doing too well, he was admitted to the hospital last week, I believe on Thursday, Uh, he's had a weak heart for probably about four or five years now that they've discovered he's got a bowel issue that sticks. So he struggles with just kind of pushing blood through his body as a whole. So he came down with pneumonia a week before that. So as you can imagine, the medication just wasn't getting through his body as it should. And he he had real shallow breaths. So they, unfortunately, he called the ambulance to take him into the hospital to get him the attention he needed. So now they're having to put a balloon in one of his arteries i believe i'm not there's a lot of details around it but unfortunately he's going to need open heart surgery and they need to get him to at least 60 to 70 percent health so he can survive the surgery so it's just really uh it's a really tense time especially for my mom because she's out in wyoming all all on her own since we've all of all of us children have moved away so here i am in south carolina just getting the text updates chatting with my dad when i can and then of course chatting with my mom but he's doing well, but unfortunately, Wyoming's shut down, no visitors in the hospitals. As we all know, the corona cases are starting to surge again, so there's uh, they're just wanting to keep the vulnerable uh, from getting sick from from that virus as well. So if you could keep him in your prayers, he's he's facing a bit of a long road, so we'll see how it turns out. So we're uh, constantly praying for him each and every night, checking in on him. He is in his 60s. That's not too bad, So I'd say he's about Sixty-seven. So, yeah, he's he's born in the fifties, the late fifties. If I remember correctly, yeah. But yes, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I can't. I can't remember. But anyway, I, I would appreciate that if y'all could uh, include my dad in your prayers. His name is Galen. G A L E N. All right. Uh, any other prayer requests before we go go to Lord in prayer and roll into our lesson? All right. All right. If you all join me in prayer, gracious Father, we are just grateful to be here tonight. Thank you that we are that we can come together as a body of Christ and study Your Word, study the person of Jesus Christ. We're just thankful that we still have this time where we can freely meet without fear of persecution, without fear of being dragged out of here, Father. But we just we pay attention to the times around us. I pray that we are watchmen. We are keeping our wicks trimmed and ready. Uh, we just pray that we can continue to study Your Word, and if we're forced underground. So be it, Lord. I just pray that we are being vigilant. We're looking out for one another. We're encouraging each other in loving good works. Thank you for the prayer requests that were mentioned. We just pray for Mary Bridges, uh, who has fallen. We just pray for her safety, her recovery, and the healing uh, that her body will will continue to do as she recovers from her fall. I just lift my dad up to you, Father, as uh, we know he's going through a lot. And we just pray for the doctors that are looking over him, watching over him, and helping him regain the strength his body needs so he can accomplish the surgery that will ultimately help him maintain strength and hopefully we can visit him one more time. I'm not sure how long he has on this earth. None of us really do. There is a there is an appointed day for us for which we will pass from this earth. We'll pass out of these broken bodies and pass into glory and we just we're thankful for the time we have here on this earth that we can bring glory and honor to you through our actions, through our words, through our prayers. We just uh, we just lift this time up to you, Father. We pray that it's edifying it's glorifying and it's, and it's encouraging for us. I mean, what a great thing we can do to just crack into your word and just study it and mind the, depth, mind the depths of it. And, uh, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, and we commit this time to you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's get after it. We are looking at the person of Jesus Christ. The objectives for this lesson are going to be understanding the person of Christ in the context as God, in the context as a man, and the context as our lord and savior so there's a lot of titles there that belong to christ and what each and what do each of those mean so there's a good sermon if you get an opportunity to listen to it john macarthur goes after a lot of good points in that in that sermon but we're going to we're going to dig into a few other areas concerning christ and we're going to definitely discuss the incarnation and and the humanity of jesus we're going to look at different aspects that, uh, that we'll see in Scripture where Jesus experienced some of the same things that we experience: Tiredness, hunger, sadness, pain, sorrow. And also we're going to look at the divinity, the true divinity of Jesus and what that means. And we're going to look at Scripture and how Scripture flushes those aspects out. And then we're also going to look at the role Jesus served as our Savior and as our King. All right, so... How's everyone doing with the lesson? Feeling pretty good, hitting that stride, right? We're just getting after those questions, filling in the blanks. Uh, As as Greg did mention, there's a lot of homework uh, depending on the topic uh, that we get into. And um, so we'll kind of tease those out as we go through the lesson. We'll kind of hit some of those blank spots. If you have any, just let me know. If if we don't cover them, just let me know at the end and we can can help you with that. So if you want to go back and study it later, uh, that's absolutely there for your benefit. All right, so as we discuss Jesus, I know a lot of folks can easily agree that, yes, Jesus was a man. We know that. Uh, we hear a lot of people, even some secular people, refer to, oh, yeah, we know Jesus came. He was a good man. He did. He said some good things. He healed some people, and he died. And they kind of leave it just as that. But we know the story continued beyond that point. Also, A lot of folks struggle when we start to say okay yes he was a man but he was also God in fact he was one with God and a lot of folks really struggle with that and then not not to mention he was one with God but he's also equal to God so that's and we kind of see that in the transfiguration we'll definitely look at that in Matthew but so that's kind of the some of the areas that we want to kind of dive in more and strengthen our understanding than that so when become, a, when we're helping a new Christian or we're or helping a fellow believer who might be wrestling with, wrestling with this, we can, with, there's some key points in scripture we can direct them to, to help, to help them strengthen that understanding. All right, so before we get really into the depth of who the person of Jesus Christ was, let's look at the titles Christ gave himself, and those are his I Am statements. Has anyone heard of these before, the I Am statements of Christ? Okay, I don't, are, are these, are those in your book? Okay, there's a lengthy list, and um, I I can build that out if if necessary as a as a helpful trainee or just as a helpful tool for later on down the road. I'm looking back at the answer key, and I'm not I'm not seeing. Yeah, but but we'll, but we'll cover those right now. Uh, but first, we know the the title of our Lord Jesus Christ. So We have the Lord, which is signifies a title of honor. We know this back in medieval times, where they you had your lords and your duchesses, and you know it was a different rank structure, like a class system: your kings, your queens, your knights. I'll probably get the order wrong, but we know that lords word would handle portions of the king's property. But in, so that's what it means when we hear the Lord. And then Jesus, which you known as the Greek word for Yahshua, which means Savior. And also um, Christ was the Lamb of God, and he says that. He is. We see that in Hebrews. We see those statements where he is the final sacrifice. He's, you know, when, you know, remember at the beginning of the Garden of Eden when God confronts Adam and Eve with their sin. And they've they've adorned themselves in what uh, fig leaves, right? <laughs> um, but what 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 takes place shortly thereafter after God confronts them, gives them a, uh, talks about their sin, duels out the punishment, right? So so blood what had to be spilled, blood was shed, and some representations. It um, I think maybe the representation we were there it could very well have been a lamb that was that was slain that day to cover adam and eve so those are kind of those representations yet jesus was the final savior he was the final blood sacrifice that was on the cross so then christ means atoned one or excuse me anointed one i misread that so then we also see messiah which is the official title of our savior so just kind of those are the titles we want to uh, bear in mind is our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we say those things, that's what each of those mean when we're talking about Jesus. So here's a list of names. These are applications, titles of Christ we can find in uh, Nave's topical Bible. This is where this list comes from that was compiled in here. It's under, under Jesus, the Christ, names and applications and titles. So the I am's of Christ. He says, I am the gentle and humble in heart. That's Matthew 11, 29. I am the Son of God. I am with you always. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am not of this world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. I am a king. I am the Alpha and the Omega Almighty. And we saw that that's in Revelation. And then we have I am the first, the last, the living, alive forever. I I am he who searches his uh, the minds and hearts. I think we've seen that through our study of the seven churches, right, where he talks about, I know the hearts, I know the minds, I I, I seek, I search them and seek, run, go through them, and then he also states, I am coming quickly. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star, and then in John eight fifty eight, he just says, I am. So that is, and remember in Moses' time. What what did what did Moses say when he said to God, Who shall I tell who sent me? I am. Yeah, I am. But that is God talking there. But but we know this still but but Jesus makes that same claim, right? All right. So there there we go. We see that that equal um that equality there with God that he has. And then that kind of brushes us brushes us into the discussion of the Trinity and looking at looking more closely at that. But that we'll we'll leave that for a discussion on a later time, but I believe we'll also tackle uh our next lesson is the work of christ so we'll probably get into that a little bit more in that in that area all right so let's look at our next section which is the section was that you saw in your homework and this is the god who became man all right so i'd really like to jump into some scripture here so we know that john 1 1 and then verses 14 was your memory verse or and just some scripture to meditate on this week uh, would anyone like to read that john 1 1 and then also verse 14 Oh, you? it doesn't matter. <laughs> Go ahead. Full of grace and truth. That that's my favorite part of the close. Full of grace and truth. And how, how often do we need to remind ourselves of that grace that is renewed for us every day? That grace and mercy. All right. As uh, as we mentioned above, the issue of Christ being a man—that that means being flesh and bone—we see that in Luke twenty-four thirty-nine. States is is normally accepted, right? It's, it's pretty easily accepted amongst amongst the general Christian population. You know, even between the big C and the little C. I don't know if you ever, ever, anyone heard that reference about the Catholic. You know, the big big C Catholic in the lower case little c catholic which is uh there, there's some good uh there's there's really good material out there from from church history for little c catholic so that's kind of a, where a lot of our doctrinal truths is drawn from is from those early reformers those early teachers of, of the word of god that were little c catholic so there's a, there's a good there's a good history there uh that i encourage you all to kind of dive into on your own time just to kind of study study our family history as i like to call it <laughs> All right. So moving on. Uh, however, it is important for us to remember that that Christ's existence did not start at his human birth, not at the Virgin Mary's birth, but yet it was before that. Rather, Christ existed in the form of God prior to his incarnation. At his birth, he be, he took on humanity, and that's where we got. We got to make sure we keep those 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 lanes straight. So he became 100% God and then 100% human. And I know sometimes that might be a struggle for us. Sometimes it's sometimes a struggle for me. Like. God really was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. And I, and I know because that's really, because the, then we get into the argument about the divinity of Christ on earth and what does that mean and how does that look. So let's, let's really get into that. So first, I want to I make sure we look at, at a fair amount of scripture concerning this. And, and I know Colossians has a really good portion on that. We'll get that next. But let's hop over to Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. And I'll go ahead and read that for you. This is Christ's humanity and exaltation. So make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of man. And when he had come as a man, in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of, uh, excuse me. To the point of death, even to death on a cross. All right. So there we go. There's Philippians explicitly laying out what God did and how He emptied Himself of His complete divinity and then took on human form. And and, and we're we're gonna we're gonna talk into that because He didn't shed His deity. He just um, He emptied Himself voluntarily. He set those things aside so that He could come down to earth and and. And take on the human form. Uh, let's turn over to Colossians. Here we go. Colossians 1, 15 and 19. And this is this is really going to get after the centrality of Christ. This is a really good study. This is a fun one too. All right. Colossians chapter 1, uh, 15 through 19. So he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So I, I want to Take a sidebar real quick. So, verse 15, when it says he is the image, that is the exact imprint, if you will, of God. I mean, that is a, an, an exact replica, an exact exact representation. So we know when when they mint money, right? They have a uh, what is it? The uh, the master um, the plate. Yes, the die. It's it's, and then everything after that is a representation of that dollar bill, and it's and it's done down to the finite detail then that plate is protected of course. So, this is, so that's what that means is when we're talking about the image of the invisible God, this was Jesus God's divinity imprinted on him. Alright so going on to the next verse 16, because by him everything was created in heaven and on earth, the, the visible and the invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or, or authorities, all things have been created through him for him He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his faithfulness dwell in him. That is a strong strong argument. And we know that this was Paul writing an argument against the false heresies that, were, that had gripped the, Colo- the church in Colossians. And this is a great exhortation and encouragement for us in our understanding of who Christ is and what he represents and what he had excuse me, and what he carried with him. So when we talk about the firstborn, this is not just the firstborn because a lot of folks like to run to this some um, of the false religions say, oh that means he was he came from something. Something had to bring him into existence. That's not what that term is, is illustrating. That's not what that term means in the sense of how we understand a firstborn. Like, this is my firstborn child. But what this is saying is this is more of a firstborn, kind of like the Esau and Jacob, where we know the birthright. So what it is saying is, is like, God is, holds the birthright for all of creation because all was created through him. All is upheld. By him and it's for him through him. So he was the creator at the very beginning. So Genesis 1:1, 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we can we can dive into that too. We could uh, that's that's a fun discussion as well there. All right. Um, so there's a lot to unpack just in this section of scripture, just in Colossians. But I don't want to. I would love to camp out in this one area and we could probably soak up another 20, 30 minutes. But there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good in here. But I would, have, I would have strongly encourage you to dig into this word, dig into the section of Scripture. Remember back when we started when we started going through you know, taking Scripture apart? Remember, uh, it, was, it was a lesson two, right? right? Where you take one word, how does this break apart, and then how that word ties into other words, and what it means, and how they tie together. And so I encourage you to do that with, with this section of Scripture. Excuse me. This section of scripture. Uh, one other uh, portion in Colossians we'll look at real quick before we move on is Colossians two uh, verses four through nine, and I'll read those for us. And this is Christ versus the Colossian heresy, and this is just this kind of wraps up the argument that Paul is making. So he says, "I'm saying this so that no one." will deceive you with persuasive arguments. For I may be absent in the body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the strength of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and build up in him and and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Uh, So be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, based on human traditions, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. For in Him the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily. I know there's a comma there, but we'll 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 leave. So, but I just kind of want to focus in on this. Paul then again reiterates he has the entire fullness of God's nature dwells in Him bodily. So there we go. There's another strong statement on what it on what Jesus represented when we say our Lord Jesus Christ what that means he's fully man fully God but he came down on earth to walk among us truly incredible all right uh there's another good verse in Psalms that really ties this up and I'll get to that but uh so let's talk about the incarnation so we talked about Philippians 2 6 through 7 so some key points concerning the incarnation so Christ never ceased being Deity, and we just covered that in Colossians two nine, and then Christ added humanity to His deity. So we see this in Matthew 17, one through one through eight, right? And that's where the I believe that's the transfiguration, correct? Correctly, we we can look at that right quick as well. Yes, that is the transfiguration. So what we see is His glory was veiled in flesh, and then then the transfiguration was a display of Christ for a moment where He unveiled His glory, where the dis- the disciples got to see Jesus peel back that flesh, and they saw his glory on display. And let's look at that real quick, which is, which is really good. It's just two verses, Matthew 17, one through 2. So after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them on a high mountain by themselves. He was transformed in front of them, and his face shone like the sun. Even his clothes became as white as the light. What an incredible thing for them to witness and record for us, to see here. This In this transfiguration, we see Christ added humanity to his deity, but it was still there, and that flesh was containing it, but he revealed that to Peter, James, and John. Truly incredible. So. That's, that's another good portion to meditate on but we'll we'll continue so christ voluntarily as i said as i mentioned earlier set aside or emptied himself of the independent exercise of some of his divine attributes and some of those divine attributes was he was independently authoritative authoritative remember Uh, remember in the garden of gethsemane when he prays to jesus not my will but your will be done because he was understanding the true way of what he's about to take on, because he understood God's direction, God's will for his life, was to go and pay the ultimate price for sin on the cross on our behalf and to cover us with his blood. But he understood that. And remember, he said, all authority has been given to me, but yet he was not fully exercising his true deity. So he, so he left behind that independent authority. He was under the direction, under God's direction, or God's plan, he was fulfilling, fulfilling those those plans, those heavenly plans. And then he set aside his eternal riches. Just something to keep in mind. That was 2nd Corinthians 8 and 9. And then he also set aside his face-to-face relationship with his father. And how interesting is that that he actually separated himself and we've kind of we've gone through that this year in more ways than one, where we've been We've had to be separated from one another, whether it was because of the virus or because of distance or because of other extenuating circumstances that have kept us separated, especially as a church family. I mean, how great it is for us to be able to come back together and study God's Word and be face-to-face with one another and just kind of just be able to see the joy that, that we, we can have when we just come around God's Word, read it, meditate on it together. It's, it's such an encouragement, especially for me. It just encourages my soul because I look, look forward to, to these nights where, I can, where we can talk about this together and, and just meditate on God's Word. And so, and so, unfortunately, for, it was different for Jesus because he was separated from God, and that was a relationship that he enjoyed. So, as a result of his self-emptying and self-humbling, Christ took on the form of a bondservant. And so, the following passage, we'll, we'll touch on those quickly, um, uh, conveys some of the problems that imply that Christ is not God, such as he is. So, he says, just remember, he says, I can do nothing on my own initiative, and I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And that was from John five thirty. And that's where where Jesus is talking to his disciples, saying, You know, I, I am here on my on my Father's will. I must follow through on what he says. And then he also reiterates the Father the Father is greater than I. So there he still shows even though he has equality with God, God is still over him in the in the in the plans that were being played out that he was fulfilling on earth. So Christ, so Christ had to be man to die in man's place. That's something to kind of keep in mind as we work through this as well. Christ had to be man to die in man's place. So Christ had to be God to be the perfect sacrifice as well. So we want to keep those two things in mind. So he had to be man to die in our place, but he also had to be God to be the perfect sacrifice, to be the sinless, spotless lamb to go on the cross and die in our place. All right. Does that that help a little bit more? Does that help kind of flesh out some of the spectrum of who our Lord Jesus Christ is? It's good stuff. All right, so let's talk about the man who is God, and this was section two of your study. And then this is talking about the deity of Christ demonstrated in his attributes. So unfortunately, I I missed Trey's discussion last week. I heard it was a good one, and I need to go back into the archive and listen to it. But, But we know Trey unpacked, the attributes of God, correct? And they were—that's that's an extensive list. Some of them, okay. So, okay. <laughs> yes, you're right. There's probably quite a bit there, wasn't there? Absolutely, absolutely. So, of that, we know that um, the deity of Christ is is demonstrated through, through those same attributes. So. So let's look at, so section two of your book, uh, some of these attributes um, in your book, in section two attributes, well, it's a very short list, but the following verses, we won't get after the verses, but I'll I'll let you take that opportunity to dig into that. So we see the sovereignty, internal, unchanging, all-knowing, perfect or sinless, holy, and truth. And those are the attributes um, that that God had, but... um, but the importance of these attributes um, is the omnipotence that we know. Um, so we know that God had omnipotence, and Christ also has the, same, has the same characteristics. All right, so we know that some of these statements of Christ's deity was flushed out. And you all recall uh, Thomas' testimony to Christ's, Christ's deity? Uh, without We can see that in John 20, 28 through 16. So let's, let's take a quick look at that. And this is where Thomas gives a testimony to Christ's deity. Jump over there real quick. All right, so this is in John 20, 28 through 29. So Thomas replied to him, my Lord and my God. And, and Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Those who believe without seeing are blessed. So remember, we know why Thomas was struggling with this. He was the, the doubting Thomas. And he, he said, I have to see Jesus. I have to physically touch him to know that it that it is he who died in my place. And then when he once he witnesses that he cries out, My Lord and my God. And then this statement that Jesus says next is very impactful. It's very profound to me as well, is that, you know, because you have seen, you believe. But this statement is for us, Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And that's us. We we believe in the divinity, in the in the person of Jesus Christ and we have not seen him yet and we long to see him return and that's something that we look forward to. All right, so one thing I wanted to jump at real quick is the Jews did not miss Christ's claim to be God. Do you remember what happened a few times when he did make those claims? What did they what were they what did they want to do to him? Yeah, they eventually they kill him. Correct, and you're right. They accuse him of blasphemy. So the Jews, the, uh, I, I should I should preface that by saying the Pharisees and the scribes, they understood what Jesus was saying when he claimed to be God. He claimed to be the sovereign, the King of Kings. He, you know, when he said, "I am God," he's like the Jews. They understood it. They got the message because they were very familiar with the Old Testament writings, especially in Isaiah 53. So we know that John 33, uh, excuse me, John chapter 10, verses 33, gives us a very clear record of the fact that the Jews understood what Jesus was saying and the claims that he made. And then it says, uh, people say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. He did. He did claim to be God. Some people will claim that. Um, Has anyone been visited uh, by our black tied, white shirt friends with the name tags? Has anyone had an opportunity to to, uh, not hear? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so so they were very, uh, when I lived in Mississippi, they visited a lot. Um, so uh, there's a few times I was out on the porch for a couple hours just talking scripture with them. And these were the common scriptures they would try to refute. They would try to claim he was the firstborn. And, you know, they had their own. So, but it was, we were, they were on different definitions. <laughs> and I was talking different definitions. So we were, we were just constantly butting heads. And finally, I was like, Gentlemen, I'm going to pray for your souls. No, we'll pray for yours too. I was like, okay, like, thank you, but, oh, but it, yeah, but it's, oh, man, it's such a, you feel torn on the inside because you you see they're just they're they're blinded, and you can see that they are just so imprisoned by it. But I, I just pray that God will remove the veils from their eyes. But they are they are using some of the same scripture we're using as Satan used against Jesus when he was out in the desert. They're using the exact same scripture and you're just you're trying to work through that work through it with them to help them maybe see just get a sliver of of doubt inserted into what they're trying what they're telling you to where they start going okay something's not right here and then hopefully that will be enough to um, I mean it does happen I, um, I know uh, was it Jeff Durbin right he, he's got a great ministry uh, he's very winsome in how he discusses. Um, the false religion to these individuals, and it's it's very encouraging. So if that's something you're want, you're curious about, and you want to get more into it, uh, check in with Trey. He's 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 got a pulse on the, on all those resources. I'll I'll uh, I'll give you a plug. Right. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Plenty of resources. I know Josh is. He, I know Josh has got a good pulse on a lot of good resources as well. So yeah, and if you got other resources, please let us know. Those are always helpful and encouragement. Uh, for all of us to, to, to tap into. All right. All right. So, so let's just kind of bear that in mind. So when people do say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Yes, he did. And we can use scripture to refute those claims. So notice the, the words. Uh, uh, so we want to notice the words that Jesus used, and, and especially when the Jews wanted to kill him, the Jews answered him, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you being a man, make yourself out to be God, and that's the statement there in John ten thirty three. the Pharisees knew, and that, that was the message, they got the message, so we want to understand that, that they clearly understood, and they knew exactly what he was claiming, he claimed to have divine authority over angels, I know that's, for me that was kind of a struggle to keep in mind, but there is a rank and file in heaven, you know, angels were created, and they don't die, and, and there are angels, and they're, they're I guess, a class system of sorts where, you know, I mean, we see like the archangel Gabriel, he's mentioned in the Bible. So there's other angels still out there doing the work of God through, through ways and, and through, um, through his divine uh, direction. So, but the Jews understood what he was saying, and he claimed that divine authority over men as well. And uh, he was claiming, in fact, divine authority over everything when he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And that was in Matthew 28, 18, where Jesus makes that statement. And he claimed divinity authority over the law, over the Sabbath, over the traditions of the elders. Every last bit of it, he claimed power even to forgive sin. Power to raise himself from the dead, and he proved it. Because remember, he said, they will they will tear down the temple in three days, or they will tear the temple down, and I will raise it in three days. And I was like, well, man, look at this huge temple. What, are, you, are you kidding me? Well, he was talking... They missed the point. He's talking about a completely different temple, and it's the temple of, of, his, of his own body that he was talking about. He was going to raise it up in three days. Truly incredible. And, it, and it's good to know and understand, too, how the disciples, what they were, how they were looking at Jesus, what, like the lens they were looking at Jesus through. We want to also keep that in mind, the context of how the disciples saw Jesus. They saw him as a conquering king who was going to rally the troops. He was going to run Rome out of town, and he was like, I'm not here to do that. And, it, I, and I believe they wrestled with that the entire time they walked with Jesus. Like, man, when are we going to go in? When are we going to storm? When are we going to, you know, they were ready for battle. But the type of battle that they were going to do was for the for the, was for, for, for the was souls of men. Because remember, he's, remember we, oh, oh I oh, lost a disciple. When he said, I, I'm calling you, you're not going to catch fish. You're going to make fishers of men. You're going you're gonna to catch men. You're going to bring men to to to, to to the knowledge and understanding of who Jesus was. So that's, so, so that's who Jesus was. All right. Sorry. A little bit sidetracked there. All right. So Christ. Who is the Savior? So let's look at the Christ titles as the Savior of the world. So we want to make sure we understand the differences between Jesus as a Savior and also just saying Jesus is my Savior. Like what, it was, what does that mean? And what does that mean to each and every one of us? What does it mean when we say Jesus, when we make the statement, Jesus is the Savior, and then when we also say, Jesus is my Savior. What does that mean? So, question 40. What is the difference between admitting that Jesus is the Savior and going beyond that and claiming that Jesus is my Savior? So, what is the difference between admitting Jesus is the Savior, and then going beyond and claiming that Jesus is my Savior? So, what's, what's the difference? Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. How often are we told, "Hey, I know things are rough right now, but you just gotta, you gotta really tighten up those bootstraps, and you need to get on, because when the tough gets going, the, the, you know, when it when it gets tough, the tough get going, or you know, you know." It, you get what I'm saying? Like we, so we get a lot of uh, pop psychology in the sense where we just got to persevere, find your find your inner peace, and then you know. When we, but when we make a statement that say Jesus is my savior, we are now pulling ourselves off the throne, if you will, and saying, "I needed someone to save me. I could not save myself. I could not pull myself up out of this death that I was in. Sin has us dead. I mean, we're completely dead." There's no way a dead person can, you know, self-resuscitate and, and carry on. But Jesus, he brought us to life. We are alive in the newness of Christ. So those, those are just some questions to meditate on. Another question for you, based on the verses that we have read in this section so far, what does it mean to use the title Savior when talking about Jesus? I think, I think we kind of were hitting on some of those cylinders there. Anyone have any other takeaways? They want to throw in the mix. Okay, yes. Based, so based on some of the verses we've covered already, you know, Philippians, Colossians, what does it mean to use the title Savior when we talk about Jesus? Right, absolutely. So, by claiming that Christ is our Savior, we are, as as Trey said, He is the one who is responsible for our salvation. So it's. Uh, I know we're getting into that. That's getting into some theological uh, or um, doctrinal pillars there when we start talking about uh, who is responsible for our salvation. So that's. Uh, we can we can get into that. All right, got you, Greg. All right, so. <laughs> I know you. I know. I know you. I know you are. Um, always, always love it. You're, you always keep me on my toes. Appreciate that. All right, so um, I want to look at Psalm Psalm ninety two one real quick, and this is just kind of a psalm of praise, uh, just hit, kind of just kind of hit on God's love and faithfulness. Uh, so it is good to praise the Lord, to sing praises to your name, Most High, to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, with a ten stringed harp and the music of the lyre. For you have made me rejoice, Lord. By what you have done, I will shout for joy because of the works of your hands. How magnificent are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. So just kind of a reminder of the beauty and the glory that God has and maintains. And it's just a reminder for us to sing praise to him, to give him the glory that is deserved to him For 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 what he has done for us, and I just wanted to uh, to encourage you with that. Unfortunately, it was I kind of hit it a little out of uh, a little out of stride, but I'm sure you all understand. All right, um, unity in. Okay, yeah. Okay, good. We're almost there. All right. So let's talk about the King who comes to rule. That's our next section. That'd be section four. So, how how often have we seen depictions of the cross and? Some folks still like to leave Jesus on the cross. We've seen that before, right? There's some, uh, I know some of the, Catholic, uh, the Mexican, I, I don't, is that, is that what it is? Yeah, they, you kind of have the, you kind of still have the, the depiction of Christ, he's still on the cross, and then and I think there's an inscription. I just remember seeing a lot of these shirts as a young kid when I was in high school. That was kind of a very, I, we had a strong, I would say, uh, Dominican-Mexican population in Colorado. So they wore a lot of these shirts, but it always, always depicted Christ on the cross. And unfortunately, some religions, uh, or beliefs, I should say, yeah, religions leave Christ there. Leave him on the cross. He's not there anymore. He's not there. But it's a representation of what took place on the cross. But we want to remember that Christ's, true power was demonstrated when he was resurrected and how he was exalted through his resurrection because that was the conquering of sin that was the heel that crushed the serpent's head and that was the seed that Satan is still warring against because he knows he's on a time on a short time period because when Christ returns that's it it's game over all the angels that fell after him when he was cast down will be thrown into the fiery pit for, for eternity, and that's a long time to consider. So we're, so we're working through this, and this is um, this is kind of one of those things, you want to make sure you get it right. We want to make sure we understand this correctly. Remember, we're encouraged to handle and divide God's Word rightly, because we want to be good stewards of of His Word, and we want to be we want to encourage one another to do the same. So Ephesians four twenty two, 22, uh, excuse me, it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 24, says this, um, but that is not how you've learned about the Messiah. Assuming you heard him and were taught by him because the truth is in, is in Jesus. You took off your former way of life, the old man that is corrupted by deceitful desires. You are being renewed in the spirit and in your minds. You put on the new man, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. So I just wanted to hit that real quick as a reminder to us of what we are striving to do. We are striving to cast off the old man that has that that was blinded, that was dead. And now we have this new man. We are a new creation in Christ and we strive to push on after the example that jesus left for us we know that we're not going to completely 100 percent fulfill it but yet we are striving for it and we're called to do that is not to give up like it's a race we're just constantly going 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 knowing that our reward is in heaven and is in heaven and, and i know sometimes it's hard because it's it's so easy to see some of our in, uh, immediate rewards here on earth because we work hard we get paid. We work hard in certain areas, like Greg works with his hands. I know John works with his hands. And they get to see the work of their hands. They, they walk into an empty room, and when they leave, it's a kitchen. Like, whew, that's incredible. Or whatever it is, like, bang, just like that. Nail gun, bam, a little bit of silicone. It's all there. So those is a reminder for us, though, that even though we don't see those rewards here on earth, as we strive after Christ, because we're promised, promised persecution. We're promised pain, we're promised suffering for Jesus, for for the name of Jesus. And yet he calls us to take up our cross daily. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Why do we want to take up a cross daily for the person of Jesus Christ? You know, some, some might call us crazy, but yet... There's reasons for this, and this is one of the reasons why. Because of the person of Jesus Christ, we're striving after this man and his example that he laid forth for us. That's such an encouragement. So, that, and that just, and that's what, uh, that's kind of what I want to draw us to in Psalms when I read that earlier. It's our exaltation as well, as a reminder of who Jesus is and what He did for us. So we know that He is highly exalted and He has His place. And where is that place at? The right hand of God. Absolutely. So thinking back to medieval times again, if someone was at the right hand of a king, what did that usually signify? Prominence, right? Um, you, we kind of hear that, well, I'm his, I'm his right-hand man. You hear that quote, I'm the right-hand man. So what does so that? that also kind of signifies? like I, I carry authority as if I was the actual authority figure. I'm the right hand. And we kind of symbolize, obviously, right hand being, you know, majority of the population is right-handed so that's that's the right-hand dominance but not not to cast any shadows on our left-handed friends <laughs> but but it's mainly just to, to kind of illustrate the the illustration of what that means and what it when one god says i am seated at the right hand of god i find it really interesting too when when stephen was being stoned and he looked into heaven what did he say he says he looked into heaven and he said i see he, he, he saw something i believe it was. Andy, interesting. Why, why do you think that was? Why do you think at that point he was standing at the right hand of God? I, I just, I, I, I like to talk about that because it's kind of interesting. Yeah, cheering him on, or maybe he was welcoming him home. Yeah, he's receiving him home. Right. Yes. Right. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and and what an encouragement to be to, to be able to go into the going to heaven, and we're going to see Jesus standing there to receive us, and that's that's what I, that's what I look forward to, and for Him to say, "Well done, good and faithful servant," and that's been such an encouragement to me as a, as a young teenager. Um, I had a, I had some some really wise families within the church, and one one of the one of the ladies, she just came up and encouraged me. I was just doing my youthful thing, just helping out. I was just doing, and she's like, you know, it's going to be real good. When when you get to heaven, God's going to tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. But it, but even though it, it, even though at the time when I received it, I was like, oh, all right. It actually, it stuck. I mean, I'm sharing it with you now. It just, it stuck. And it always kind of just echoed in my head, bounced around, and it just never really faded from my memory. It's something that this is what we want to strive to, to hear. And, you know, I know there's times we fall short all the times there's times I raise my voice to my kids and I'm like oh that's like done not no it's no, not the right way to do it but it's just something but it's but we want to we want to constantly make sure we're correcting those directions like okay I raised my voice this time next time I'm hmm, not going to do that I'm going to take a take a breath or whatever it takes but I'm going to try and show the image of Christ to my children by not snapping at them or raising my voice whatever it is I definitely causes some consternation because it's really, really, because I mean, they're, they're almost an instant feedback machine. They're like, oh, or, or, oh, I'm just going to give dad a wide birth. Um, you know, so those, so we have these instant feedbacks that our children are really good for us. We want to pay, we want to pay attention to those as well. So this is an encouragement uh, for you. And then also the, the second coming of Christ. So we know when Christ comes, it's going to be good that we see him, right? But there's also Also, another side to that when he returns. What is going to take place as well? I heard it. Judgment. Judgment. All right, so we don't want to fear that day. We know that judgment is coming. All that we have done here on earth will be put. And how is it going to be tested? What is it going to be tested by? Fire. Absolutely. Our works here on earth are going to be tested by fire. And then what comes out on the end... Gold, silver, gems, things that withstand the heat. We kind of see that illustration of the three little pigs, right? We're also reminded when we sing a hymn, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. So it's just a strong reminder of where is our footing? Where do we put the foundation? I know there's places around here in in Somerville, up up in our area, there's some foundations of homes they are not holding up well because well it's a swamp area <laughs> and so that, that foundation it's clay, it's over time that foundation is settling, sinking unevenly, but yet we see that when they build skyscrapers, they go, how deep do they usually go when they're going to do a skyscraper? Bedrock right? <laughs> Why do we need to put a skyscraper on bedrock? Well, for us as as older in our age and understanding and wisdom, you know, a, a child's going to be like okay, what like why do they got to go like this deep in the ground like it's you know cuz when they build legos it's pretty simple but i mean so these are the things that we can use in in just in everyday life to explain the beauty and the strength of god but also the judgment that we face and how are we rooting ourselves here on earth for when we stand the test of time before god when we present when we present our works remember the the three servants uh, when the the master went away it was a uh, the talents, I think it was, right? And he, and he gives them each a portion. And one of the servants is like, oh, yeah, hey, uh, just bury it in the ground. Here you go. You got, you got it back. I mean, woo! Right? We're good, right? No. Right. Yes. Yes. And then also, we're also reminded, Jesus says, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did I not heal in your name? Did I not minister in your name? And he's going to tell them, "Away from me, for I know you. For I know you not, you workers of what, Iniqu- lawlessness, iniquity." Whew. Oh man, those are going to be. There's going to be some strong words spoken on the day of judgment. So, I, it's, so it's not something that we should fear, but it's 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 an area for us to strive and to work through, as as we've kind of been hitting on. All right, and then also we're going to see his full glory is going to be revealed. Uh, we see that at the beginning of Revelation, where he talks about. When he is going to come, it's going to be like nothing we've probably ever seen before. Absolutely. All right, I just wanted to touch on Colossians again. Uh, Chapter 3, this kind of goes more into depth. We talk about the new and old man. So this is going to go a little bit more in depth, and this is going to be Colossians 3, 1 through 11. I'll read it for us. So if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God to set your minds on what is above not on what is on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with the Messiah in God when the Messiah who is your life is revealed then you will also yeah you also will be revealed with him in glory oh man there's a there that's a powerful statement you're gonna be revealed with God in glory with Jesus in glory when he returns in glory Therefore, put to death whatever in you is worldly, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient. And once, and you once walked in these ways when you were living in them. But now you must also put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have... Put off the old man with, with his practices, and you have put on the new man who is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of his creator. Here, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. That is, wow. There's a lot there. If you noticed, it talks about Messiah, it mentions Messiah numerous times in the very beginning and then it talks about his creator Christ he is our savior and we just remember we just remind ourselves everything that was listed there God's wrath is is a, is, is going to come against those who live in those sins and it's and it's and it's i mean that just captures all that we are to push against those fleshly desires everything that is pulling us pulling at us just tempting us causing our eyes to fall to the left and to the right we just it's it's it is a struggle it's a daily struggle but here christ's word is for us to just dwell on to soak up to to eat the bread of life living water uh just to soak in and soak those things up for for christ all right and one last section of scripture i wanted to touch on quickly just another encouragement uh first john three one through three and so it says Look at how great a love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children and we are the reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him dear friends we are God's children now and what and what is excuse me and what we will be has not yet been revealed we know that when he appears he will be we will be like him because he will He will, that we will see him as he is and everyone who, who has his hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So there's another reminder, just as Colossians stated, we are going to be like him for we are God's children and he has us in his hand. Now that once we are secure in his hand, no one can take us from him. So we are secure. Uh, we, and I think we're going to really get into that when it comes to, sal- to the, the salvation lessons. So uh, that really gets into that. All right. So that's just another encouragement for you. I just wanted to. I, I just love trying to give you as much scripture as possible. You can just meditate on it, and just and just kick it around some more, and and just see the the beauty of the Bible and how it's so interwoven. How scripture interprets scripture. We can just we can we can just wrestle through it. We can meditate on it. We can encourage one another with these scriptures and that's my encouragement to you uh, one other question for you uh, what images or ideas fill, <clears throat> fill your mind when you think about jesus returning in glory so what are some images or ideas that fill your mind when you think about jesus returning Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We were created through him for him. We're here for his glory. And we can we and we bring him glory. Man, what an encouragement. So I just wanna I just I just wanna leave you with that. Just just let's think about the images and the beauty and just what is gonna happen when Jesus returns in glory. What a what a what a what a great day that's gonna be. Whether we're in the ground or wherever it is, we are gonna we're all going to go and see him in mean, glory. Instantaneous. I mean, I don't think there's going to be this, this slow motion. It's just it's just going to happen. And then, I mean, man. All right. So uh, the first verse of this section urges a certain way of living in the light of Christ's return. And then the second provides a picture of what the return will look like and feel like. We, we kind of discuss these things. We work through these things. And if you have questions about some more of this, just let me know. Uh, you can let Josh, Dre, uh, Greg, or John, any of us know. We'll, we'll be happy to talk more with you about this. This you know, is something we enjoy doing. Um, all right. Uh, so that, that's really all I have for tonight. I just wanted to leave you with those encouraging words. Uh, does anyone have any, any thoughts, any reflections, any other scripture that? that came to mind while we were working through the study that you would like to share. Any questions? <laughs> I don't know if I want to ask for those, but I'm, I'm open to them. <laughs> All right. Ezekiel. Man, I knew Trey would go Old Testament on us. <laughs> Ezekiel 34, alright, is there a, ooh, yeah, the shepherd and God's flock, alright, is there a certain verse out of there, or are we just, are we going to read the whole thing, 11 through 16, would you do us the honor? when God will call us home we'll be as though a shepherd bringing his flock home to him. Alright. I'll leave it as that. Uh, I'll close this in prayer. And then let's go and take the rest of the week. Alright, join me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this study. What an opportunity we've had to look at the person of Jesus Christ. Not only through the incarnation not only through the deity that the that the person of Jesus Christ contains, but also the second coming of Christ. What a what a full picture we've been able to ingest tonight. Thank you for the encouragement of your Word, how it strengthens our faith, how it encourages each each one of us, and how we can use it to encourage one another. We just uh, once again we lift up the prayer requests that were mentioned tonight, and any prayer requests that may not have been mentioned. Lord, we lift the we lift these up to you. We're just thankful right now, Father, that you are in control no matter what takes place. And we just want to rest in that. We want to rest in the peace. We want to rest in the strength, knowing that you, are all, that you are always in control. That nothing takes you by surprise. Nothing is for us to to fret at all about, for we know that you hold and sustain and you uphold all. We're just grateful for that, Lord. Thank you for the knowledge and thank you for the body of believers here tonight we just pray for those who may not, and who who may not who were not able to make it tonight we just pray for them lord we just want to encourage them we just uh, we're thankful for them we just look forward to fellowshipping with them on sunday we look forward to that time we're just thankful for the children that are here tonight learning catechism and singing praise to you we just thank you lord. we just pray that these words and the praise of our heart are our, our glory are bringing praise and bringing you honor we just thank you for these for this time that we've had together father and I just pray that we'll go forth and continue to be a witness be a light in a dark world and not shy away from those opportunities that you give us to to speak about the hope that is within us and that hope is our our Savior our Lord Jesus Christ we commit these things to you in your in your son's name amen